you're listening to the Startup Finance Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show entirely focused on helping you to build a financially fit and fundable business. On this show, we connect you with finance aficionados to impart their expertise to help your business grow. The Startup Finance Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe to this Startup Finance Podcast through iTunes and Google Play Music. This podcast is presented in partnership with MasterCard, a technology company in the global payments industry. MasterCard's global payments processing network connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governments in more than 210 countries and territories. MasterCard products and solutions make everyday commerce activities such as shopping, traveling, running a business, and even managing your finances easier, more secure, and more efficient. I am your host, Dr. Sean Wise, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Ryerson University. I bring more than 19 years experience in seed investing, including five seasons spent supporting CBC's Dragon's Den. I've published dozens of articles for Profit Inc. and even Canadian Business, as well as several best-selling books on venture capital, entrepreneurship, and pitching ideas. Want to connect with me after this podcast? Join me at 100stepstostartup.com. We're thrilled to have Paul Gaspar as our guest today on the Startup Finance Podcast. Paul is the Director of Small Business at UPS Canada, where he's responsible for connecting and working with small businesses to educate and inform them on the many opportunities available to go global. With 27 years in business, Paul is your go-to expert when it comes to leveraging logistics partnerships to strengthen your supply chain to grow your business. In today's podcast, we'll talk to Paul about growing your online basket. We'll learn how he's assisting entrepreneurs in navigating the world of e-commerce, reducing shopping cart abandonment, and growing repeat sales. Please welcome Paul to the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. There's so much I want to talk about, but let me start at a very easy spot. When we're all done today, what learnings do you want our listeners to walk away with? Well, uh, there's three areas that I'm hoping we can focus on on uh, today's podcast that that hopefully are good takeaways for them. Uh, one, the importance of going global. Um, not too many of our businesses, especially small businesses, focus that way, and that's a, a critical area that um, you know if if they take the time to think. About about it, it's important. Uh, so that's definitely number one. But you know, ensure that you're e-commerce ready. Ensure that your business is e-commerce ready in today's technological world. Uh, and then finally, focus on quality to drive your quantity. Um, when we're talking about movement of goods, but sometimes also movement of, of services, uh, you know, looking at your supply chain, for example, there, there's the flow of, of your goods. But in today's world, information is almost just as important. And then, of course, the funds. So if you focus on that and improve that customer experience, you're going to most definitely increase your sales as well. Well, I think those are three great areas. And let's delve right into it. What is the importance of glowing, going global? And, and more importantly, aren't all companies today born global? All companies today can use the internet to access all corners of the globe. Do you feel that 
Canadians aren't taking advantage of that or that people aren't thinking big enough? Are we still stuck in the small town mentality? That's exactly it. We are not thinking big enough, which is concerning when you look at the scope of the economy today uh, globally. Uh, Let me share a stat. Over the next 15 years, it's predicted that 80% of the world's economic growth is projected to come from outside of North America and Europe. North America and Europe, that's a big area. Um, If you were to shrink that and focus strictly on our borders, on Canada, it's over 95% of the economic growth. doesn't mean that we're not doing well. It doesn't mean that Canada's not growing. But the majority of your growth is outside of our borders. And where is it coming from? It's coming from the middle class of customers in these new emerging economies all around the globe. There's over 500 million people today in these new economies spending already $20 trillion a year, and they're looking for quality services and products that Canadian businesses can provide. Uh, The one thing we do not do a good job is beat our chest with that Made in Canada brand that we should be pushing for and that these consumers want. And we need to start doing that. Uh, I, I, when we talk about going global, one of the things that I hear lots of times from new entrepreneurs or new startups or, or businesses that are trying to scale but are sort of afraid of going outside our borders, I hear a lot of their concerns and their fear of going global. I always turn that around and ask them, you should be fearful of not going global. Uh, Just like we're always told in our personal lives to diversify and the importance of doing that and what that does, a business needs to do that as well. And in today's digital world, you need to. Okay, let's delve in with an example. Let's say your name is Sally and you live in Northern Ontario and you have a hockey stick making business. So you make the world's greatest hockey sticks and all the NHLers love to use them. The world knows about them. They're great, but you really don't sell more uh, outside of North America. What should you be thinking about? How should you be looking at e-commerce to tap into the growing hockey markets in Eastern Europe, the growing hockey market in China, the growing hockey market in Central America, just for an example. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's, let me answer that, obviously, because we're talking about it from an, uh, an international perspective. Uh, you know, the, the internet, again, has reduced the world to a global village. We really, really need to start thinking that way. So shopping has become a global experience. Retailers need to start selling their products to customers anytime and anywhere. So in the example that you just said, you need to start realizing that you have potential customers that are now equipped themselves with smartphones, 4G. Uh, They uh, have various payment options like Apple Pay, PayPal, and others uh, to that effect. They have become increasingly tech savvy and have now learned to hunt for the best bargains from every corner of the world. So your hockey stick might be a great product that you're selling locally uh, in in Canada or even in the U.S., but you do have a demand for those products in other parts of the world. So we need to start ensuring that we're tapping into that. Part of that is doing research, knowing what other markets can my hockey stick, can I develop a demand for that hockey stick? Or even better, what new markets can I actually create a demand for my product, in this case, the hockey stick as well, too? And once you understand that and 
tapped into that, then you need to obviously start putting forward a proper supply chain, but starting with an e-commerce presence because gone are the days where you are required to have that brick and mortar. You can be that small business. Sally can locally here be selling that hockey stick comfortably across our great nation, but doing just as well, if not better, around the world. You know what? I think those are great points. And I think that a lot of people are intimidated because they still think it's the 20th century, not the 21st century. What I mean by that is if you look at groups like uh, Shopify uh, or the Export Development Corporation of Canada or even UPS, they've moved from being suppliers to being partners to how do we help people in northern Ontario sell hockey sticks in Beijing? That people want. UPS wants that. Shopify wants that. And the EDC wants that. Can you tell some some points that people should be aware of that they're probably not aware of? Like, I'm always amazed that people don't realize the Export Development Corporation of Canada has ways of helping you ensure your receivables so that if you're overseas and you don't get paid, it's not just you against X. It's, it's There's a bigger entity. I'm wondering, in your experience, can you share with us some of the things that people don't realize is available? Well, there's, there's a lot. Now, I will say this, um, just to to defend uh, a little bit the the, the startup community. Um, There is a lot of information out there. There is a lot of areas that you can turn to for help. Some of it is bigger help, some of it is smaller help, some of it is is specific and unique to certain products uh, or industries, but there is a lot of it. And you really need to start focusing, I think, in two key areas. One is you need to start doing your research. You really need to start understanding based on my products or my goods or my services that I have, where can I start looking at specific markets where, again, I think there's that demand or I can create that demand. But then to your point, uh, Sean, the second part is get help. Get help in understanding who can help me tap into these markets, find distributors, how to get to those locations, how to sell to those people. And if I also need support financially or with uh, the means of partnership, who do I turn to and, and, and where do I get that is, uh, additional help? Some of the places I tell people to turn to initially, in addition to their current suppliers, like their carrier, like a UPS, I tell them, talk to your trade commissioner's office. Uh, and again, this is something I hear from a lot of businesses. It's not an experience that I have myself, but I keep hearing more often than not that when they realize the markets that they want to go to, tapping into that great government resource allows them to know how they need to go to that market and what assistance they can have there, such as EDC or BDC. Um, uh, and, and again, there's a whole lot of others out there that can provide that support that you need. Again, if it's grassroots to get you up and running, in some cases, it's even to get you to trade shows or events in those markets to see, I think it's the right market, but really is it the right market? So that you have those first opportunities to actually get your feet wet and determine, is this what I need? Is this the right market? And is this the direction to go? But there is so much of it. And yes, EDC is one of them, but but it, you really need to start talking because the more you start talking to and asking for help, the more doors that open and the more areas you can look for because there are little nuggets and little support areas in every little corner. 
Now, you mentioned uh, international trade, so I want to give our listeners uh, a full name that they can Google. Uh, The Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade is our friends around the world who fly the Canadian flag on behalf of Canadian businesses. Uh, Marcy Grossman is currently one of their leaders, and they're working very hard to make it easy for small business to go into uh, external communities. So uh, as Paul suggests, I think it's really important that we go global. Now, you mentioned already a little bit about being e-commerce ready. For some people, they don't realize that, you know, in 1997, it might have cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to put up a jewelry store, to work out a merchant engine, to figure out how to authenticate people, to work out how to take credit cards. But my nephew with 50 bucks and a Shopify account can set it up on a weekend for 45 minutes. I'm not offering his services to our customers, what I, what our listeners, but what I'm saying is it's a radically different thing. Now it's about the quality of the product and you can get out of the box some of these things. Things. So what do you mean when you say e-commerce ready? So <clears throat> great introduction to this area, uh, because you're right. There are so many easy ways today to actually put up a website. Anyone can put up a website. You need to make sure that you can, first of all, differentiate your your way uh, as far as how your website uh, looks to your competitors. That is critical in order for you to ensure that you see your sales. Uh, and you got to make sure that you're providing what customers want today. Now, one of the things that we've done on our end to support our customers uh, in, in the general uh, small business community is we've been doing for several years now what we call the pulse of the online shopper. Basically, it's a study that's you know based from Com, uh, Comscore survey um, and over 18,000 online shoppers worldwide. <clears throat> so again, not just in Canada, but if you're looking to go to other markets, we can give you a specific study, specific feedback as to what shoppers in that market is looking for. But what the actual study does is evaluates consumer shopping habits from pre-purchase all the way to post-delivery. And our most recent one that was conducted in Q3 of last year will soon be available for you to view and download on our website as well too, uh, which is great. Now, um, I can tell you when we dive into it, there's a lot of things that you need to do in order to differentiate yourself and make sure that your website is e-commerce ready to increase your sales. Let me talk about three of the most critical areas that you need to ensure you focus on. And again, you see a lot of people going to Shopify or creating their own websites and making it very basic and forgetting some of these key things that are critical uh, and consumers are telling us they want. So three things that you should be thinking about to make sure you're fully e-commerce ready. Paul, give me the three things. Trust, transparency, convenience. In, trust, transparency, convenience. So in the terms of trust, it comes from the form of payment security. We need to realize, especially when we're a smaller business, people might love what you're trying to sell to them, but they also recognize that you're not a large business. People get a little concerned, especially in the wake of a lot of the uh, uh, cyber attacks that we've been hearing from some of the larger businesses. But if you read online, it's the smaller businesses that typically get attacked. So consumers want trust. They want to understand that they have multiple forms of payment and that it's secure type of payment. In fact, our most recent study indicated that 75% of the respondents want options to their security when they're making and buying from you, such as having Apple Pay, PayPal, and other types of payments, because just offering credit cards 
returns, you're going to lose potentially three-quarter of the customers that are looking at your product and considering buying from you. So that's number one. Transparency. 72% want to see the total cost of the order, including duty, duties and fees, and 63% want the prices stated in their home currency. So if that you're only selling in Canada, that's a simple one. But again, back to our original discussions of going global and the importance of doing that, you need to make sure that you tap into and ensure that you're talking and communicating to them with their home currency. Now, by the way, when I talk about having this information, all of the duties and costs, everything up front, I'm not talking about putting this on the very last page of the shopping cart, which is typically what you see with a lot of these simpler websites that are out there. That is too far along the process. You've already lost the customer. They're gone. They want to see that up front. And then finally, it's convenience. And here they're looking for a clear returns policy and speed of delivery. It's more than six in 10 expect to see ease of return and delivery options if you're going to influence them at all in their decision to buy from you. And again, you hear a lot about free shipping. That's a term that's everywhere and it keeps talking about it. But, you know, uh, is that false? Is that true? Does that even exist? It doesn't. Somebody is paying for that. And usually, usually it's the consumer because there's ways of masking that free shipping on your shopping cart. For example, here's a most economical way of getting this product to you. I'm going to ship it ground. It's going to get to you in five days. And that lower cost shipping to me is embedded in the cost of that product that you're buying already. Therefore, free shipping. But customers want options. So you got to make sure that in addition to that, you're telling them, hey, you know what? If you want it in two days, it's going to cost you an extra $10. You want it overnight, it's going to cost you an extra 15 And those are three of the top areas that we've been hearing from uh, customers in our most recent study. Trust, transparency, trust, transparency, and uh, convenience. You know, we've been talking a little bit about the front end, but I think a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs running startups don't realize that there are also back end solutions. Uh, the one that comes to mind is is UPS's role in the drop shipping world. How once upon a time we used to think if I sold a hockey stick to Chile, I had to go to the post office, I had to take the stick there, I had to send them out one at a time. But that's really been replaced on the small side with drop shipping. Can you tell me how that's impacting uh, the e-commerce experience of the entrepreneurs delivering these products? Uh, You know what? That dives into one of the other areas of our study, which is alternate delivery locations. And drop shipping is a component of that. Uh, In fact, um, you know, when you look at uh, contract logistics, and I'm talking about e-fulfillment and warehousing, um, this now applies not just for the Fortune 500 companies, but it does apply to smaller businesses. You know, it's great that you might start out of your garage or even out of your basement, but you do get to a point in time, especially if you're scaling globally, uh, that you need additional options. Because you're right, going to the post office lineup to ship, you know, uh, a few items a day or a week just doesn't cut it anymore. It doesn't cut it for your customers because you're not providing them what they want, which is immediate information. Remember your supply chain, right? But that's part of it. It's not just the movement of goods. They want to know where it is. I've placed the order. When am I getting it? Uh, so that's a, a key component of it. But 
all of that back in, there are multiple options now to move that that can tailor for an entrepreneur in a smaller business. Uh, so you can get your suppliers to come and pick up from you or you can take it to their locations. There are solutions now like R2R, which basically for us means retail to retail. You can go to a UPS access point and have it shipped to the customer's most convenient access point. That is reducing cost for you, for them, but at the same time, offering you additional conveniences and additional ways as to how you can actually move goods from point A to point B. And if you need to be able to consolidate that as well too. So we've talked about some front end, we've talked about some back end. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, what drives so many entrepreneurs incredibly uh, frustrated. Uh, shopping cart abandonment. You work so hard to get them to your site. You work so hard to get them interested in your product. You've got your drop shipping ready to fulfill the order. They fill everything out. They put it in the box and then they don't buy. Why? Why do people continue to do that? And what can entrepreneurs do to curtail it? Okay. So if I could, Sean, I, I want to drive the point that you just made um, again, because this is an area that we really, when we are talking to our customers and working on their e-commerce platforms, we really want to drive this message home because we really don't think, uh, or at least it's our belief that the smaller businesses really don't understand how much of an impact shopping cart abandonment really is to their business. So the global e-commerce opportunity is, is tremendous. In fact, it, it is expected to eclipse $3.5 trillion by 2020 in two years. But to your point, despite all of that, it continues to plague businesses of all sizes. I mean, this is an area that Amazon focuses a lot of their time on as well, too, to try to reduce their shopping cart abandonment because it happens to them as well. There are studies out there that indicate that it is as high as 90%. Now, let's think about that. What? 90%? Are you saying that, that only 1 in 10 click buy in the end and 9 in 10 may be left not finishing the order? If your platform is not customer ready and providing the shopping experience they want, yes, it is. Now, let's let's think of that from a brick and mortar perspective. If you have a storefront. Absolutely. Right? Think about this. You have 10 of your customers in your store walking up to your cash register, to your, to your front part of your store to make a purchase, yet only one of them actually makes that purchase. The other nine put down the product and walk out the store. That's scary. Now, the good news is the technology to address most of the issues, most of the issues behind shopping cart abandonment, it's available today. It's available from your e-commerce platform provider. APIs are available from your logistics solutions to build in that backend that supports the experience the customer wants there as well too. So it's there. All it requires a little bit of vested time from you to ensure that you understand what is it that they want so that you can ensure that they're getting and you're meeting those needs. For example, visibility on, on, on search engines is critical. Because you got to make sure that you get them to your site, right? The very next thing you need to start thinking about is you got to think mobile first and ensure your websites today are optimized optimized for that. You you will not be surprised, Sean. I mean, maybe you you're not, but 
how many websites I go to that are actually decent, but then as soon as I take out my phone and I try to buy from uh, on, on my phone, it's not optimized for mobile. Yet, that is the fastest growing, mobile and tablets are the fastest growing online platforms as far as e-commerce research and now purchases as well too. So even though they might not buy off of their phone. People are out and about, they have that in their hand, they think about something and they hear about your product, they're going to start researching and looking at it on their phone. And if you're not mobile friendly, they're going to walk away. You've lost that opportunity. You didn't even get them to their shopping cart in that particular scenario. And you got to make sure that you've got chat box and Q&A and FAQs to make sure you cover all of those aspects for it. So to stop shopping cart abandonment, you're talking about things like FAQs, frequently asked questions, which allow people to sort of get answers without having to contact you directly. You're talking about chatbots, which are sort of uh, salespeople controlled by a computer through a chat window. Are these the best ways to, to build a site that reduces shopping cart abandonment? Are there other things people should be thinking about? There definitely are others. So let, let, me, let me talk about five more if I can. Uh, and, and again, these are, are ones that um, not just our Canadian study has shown, but seems to be recurring theme when we look at the same studies we get from our Mexico study, our Brazil study, the U.S. study, our European study as well, too. The first one is detailed product descriptions and visuals. Tell the customer as much information as you can and provide as many visuals as they as you can. If your product is made out of 40% polyester, tell them it's made out of 40% polyester. If it's 80% wood, tell them it's 80% wood. People want full descriptions as to what it is that they're buying and what it can do, and they want visuals. So provide visuals. If it comes in multiple colors, show the multiple colors. Show an image from the front, from the back, from the side. And you see that when you go to a lot of other sites that you're probably, as a consumer yourself, buying from. Yet, when you have your own business, sometimes you neglect that or take shortcuts or think that's not important. It is important. Consumers are telling us they want that. Ability to store your shopping cart for later use, which is an interesting one because one of the pet peeves in our study is logins. Don't force everyone that comes to your site, if they want to buy from you, to log in and create an ID. You know what? I might come to your site and actually see a product I like, but guess what? I'm going to get to buy it once. Let me go through the process, put it in a shopping cart, and pay for it, and buy it as a guest. People will walk away if you're going to make them, force them to create an ID, become a customer. Well, you know what? I'm buying that one item, and I'm probably not going to come back. So why do that? Why force them to do that? However, interesting enough, on the back end, they want to be able to have the information stored in the cart for later use. And with cookies today and knowing IP addresses, that's a simple thing that you should be doing today. You, it should be very simple. That if I went to your website and that was a great hockey stick and I put it into the shopping cart. Well, you know what? I walked away. If I come back to your site, have it there. Don't make me go through pages again to figure out which hockey stick it was that I selected last time. Because guess what? I might not want to go through that exercise again, uh, and therefore you might lose uh, that sale. We talked about multiple service options, right? Air, ground, they want that. And they want accurate time in transit. That's available. Don't say free shipping, get there in five to seven days. 
the tools are there for you to tap into your site that you can quickly tell the customer that lives at this address. They've told you, you know where your product's coming from. Guess what, Mr. Customer? It's going to be there in ground in four days by this time at this cost. But if you want, you can be there in exactly two days by this time with this service and this cost. They want options to alternate delivery locations. You asked that with, with Dropbox already too, but ship to an access point. You want to be able to um, uh, be able to have uh, drop ship options so that you can reduce those costs, which is good for the consumer internationally, as well as obviously you as a business owner. And then the ability to track your order after your purchase. Think about the, the world we live in today. And you've probably experienced this yourself, Sean, and I know the people listening have experienced this. You buy something online. What's the very next thing you're doing? You're looking at your inbox thinking, where's that email confirming that purchase and where's that tracking number? That's the world. Absolutely. 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 No, that's absolutely. As soon as I hit send, I expect to have something in my email box confirming it. And then a few minutes later to have someone telling me that it's in process or it's in shipping or it's at the dock. Absolutely. We expect to, you know, uh, blow by blow. We want to hear where that piece of, uh, uh, of purchase is currently. And if you don't provide that, guess what? You might get that first sale, but you're not going to get that repeat or that additional sale as well, too. So, so, and again, we've we've touched on you know trust, transparency, convenience. We touched on all these other uh, options I just indicated as well, too. These are all things that think about it. If your website is not doing any of these or just a few of these, yes, you could be experiencing close to ninety percent abandonment rate. But as you start again, easily spending some time, investing some time to ensure that all of these components are. Are there because consumers want them, that shopping cart abandonment rate is going to slowly reduce its size and make it much more palatable for you. Well, I think those are all great pieces of advice because we're talking about once you have them in your store, how to get them buying, how to get them completing the transaction, how to get them to have a great experience, how to get them to come back, how even to get them to refer other people. But let's step back. We've talked about the back end. We've talked about the front end. Let's talk about the funnel. In your opinion, and having seen so many of these uh, successful uh, e-commerce solutions uh, in practice, what is the best recipe for attracting repeat customers and repeat sales? What's the best way to get people into the store on the front end? So to to get customers in a store from a repeat perspective, this is where I would challenge our listeners to think about the lifetime value and not the transactional value in the way that they sell, communicate and do business with their customers. And you really got to think about that because we... So you're referring to lifetime value is how much is a customer worth to you over the five, 10 years that they buy from you as opposed to transactional value? How much was that first sale worth? Exactly. So when you're selling to them, communicating, doing business with them, think about the fact that I want to treat this customer not just based on this one purchase, um, but I want to make sure that I ensure that I make them a repeat customers. Because we know repeat customers, they tend to be our most profitable customers. Now, if you can take a repeat customer one step further and turn them into an advocate of your business, now that's golden. You've now just increased your sales force with your best salespeople, which is your customers. And there are ways of tapping into this additional revenue stream and helping them in turn help sell your business that is often overlooked by a lot of the uh, you know uh, uh, businesses that are out there today. 
Paul, are you talking about referral marketing? Are you talking about social selling where someone can click Facebook button and show what they just bought and that encourages other people in their network to trust you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you do that? Well, if you've got a repeat customer that you're treating them with the, the you know, first time buyer, but you're treating them like, hey, this is going to be a repeat customer because I'm going to treat them through this entire process uh, with additional support and additional handholding. You're actually going to be able to have that person hopefully come back and be a repeat customer. But if not, at least share the fact that it's been a positive uh success and a positive experience with you. And in the world I live in, on on the shipping side, there are a couple key areas that you can focus on. One, we've already touched on integrating API tools to bring customers back to your website. Every time I have an opportunity to present to startups and entrepreneurs about the uh, APIs and, and the importance of making sure that you're communicating to customers but driving them back to their website, one of the questions I always ask is, you know, when, when you today buy from whoever you're buying from, and you know, let's say it's Amazon or, or, or Walmart or Costco, for example, because you know a lot of people buy from some of those larger organizations. So when you're buying from them, and Uh, you get an email that says, here's your tracking number. And you click on that. What does it take you? And it never fails. There's always a large group within the audience that truly believes that that's going to the carrier's website. For example, back to UPS's website. Because in many cases, that's what they're doing. They're pushing, if they even provide that type of information, they're pushing it back to our website. And what I always tell them is that's great. You know what? We will provide them all of the tracking information they need, updated information, and take care of them. We will. But isn't that a missed opportunity? Exactly. We're going to take care of your customer, but it's your customer. Why are you sending them back to my website? There are tools today that allow you to pull that information and bring them back to your website. And guess what? It's not just the larger players, but smaller businesses can do that now today because it's available. And what can you do when you're doing that? What, well, what do the bigger players do today? When you go back and you've bought something online, for I'll give you an example. I bought a black pair of shoes. Uh, and They'll show you what matches a black exactly. pair of shoes. Or they'll show you what other people who bought black shoes bought. Or they'll show you other things like shoe polish to keep your black shoes in tip-top shape. Or, or Sean, how about 20% off if you go ahead and buy it, the other pair of shoes? Right. Or if you bought a shirt, let's give you $10 off of these three different types of ties that will go great with that shirt that you just bought as well, too. Or guess what? You just bought that hockey stick. We've got great hockey tape that can go with that hockey stick. And for being a repeat customer, here's a discount for that as well, too. So it's there. It's available. If you take the time to invest and put that there, because now you're not just thinking about, I did that transaction, I got that sale, I'm done. No, you're thinking about the fact is how can I can continue to communicate and talk to this customer to ensure that I get them back. Paul, I could talk to you for days, but unfortunately, it's only a half hour podcast. I have to ask you, do you have any final words of advice for our entrepreneurial listeners today? So if I was to wrap everything back together that we we sort of touched on today, I would say, look, think big, think global. Um, You really need to start doing that if you're not. I'll go one step further. Think big, go global, and leverage partners. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Visit uh, our website, ups.com, so you can access the study. 
Uh, it should be on there soon, and that'll give you a lot more. What's now, the title of it, Paul? Uh, the best way to search for it is The Pulse of the Online Shopper. The Pulse of the Online Shopper is the keywords to shop to search for on UPS.com. Our guest today has been Paul Gaspar, Director of Small Businesses at UPS. Paul, I've so enjoyed speaking to you. I hope you'll come back soon. Great. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to providing entrepreneurs with advice and experiences on startup finance. Want to access more resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca to gain access to support, resources, and events. And be sure while you're there to check out all the other original Startup Canada podcast series on the Startup Canada Podcast Network.